welcome back to another box to box euros edition i can't I, I still can't get the intro right with the new change in name it's box we're box to box euros and this is a women's champions league edition we wouldn't even have been box to box wsl for this episode because we're talking about champions league exactly i i, I need i need to get my shit together that's all i'm saying <laughs> i'm gonna pre-record you saying welcome to box to box euro edition and then we'll just like insert that in every week rather than making you try and say it <laughs> maybe but yes this episode we're focusing on the women's champions league the group stages are set and i for one am very excited jesse i don't know how you're feeling now that chelsea comes into the equation and you can't really enjoy it as much anymore yeah, I know. I've enjoyed all these like funny matches where I'm like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm sad there was no real upsets. I thought we might get like at least one, but I think everyone who like the obvious candidate to go through did go through, which is a bit. It of a was shame. quite boring in that sense. That yeah, there wasn't. I mean, the Arsenal Ajax game was close. The La Real had a really good opportunity to do something decent against Bayern after only being down one 0 but. Obviously, that didn't really go well, but that's the problem with these two legged games. Like, I was, yeah. I was talking to Flo Pollock before the because she was at the Chelsea West Ham game and we were talking about Ajax Arsenal. And I was just like, when the gaps between the teams are this big over 180 minutes, it's so hard to get it's, it gets really, really obvious. I had a hope for La Real, but again, like, it's Bayern Munich and yeah, it's a two legged tie. Like, you're still down one nil. Yeah, grand, it's not really a big difference, but it was a big ass, especially away from home. But okay. Shall we shall we start getting into these matches? Because there was there was a decent amount to talk about. Let's start with Ajax versus Arsenal. Arsenal went 3-2 on aggregate. Won't lie, I was very nervous before the match. <laughs> it was one of those where, again, the gap is big enough that you knew that Arsenal were going to get it across the line. But Ajax were still so, so close that there was always a possibility that it was just going to go wrong. Yeah, this was definitely the game that was like, the, the closest across the two legs because I thought Arsenal would go into this one and, and kind of blow Ajax away. I thought they'd have learned enough from playing them the first time to kind of deal with Ajax's game plan. But definitely in like the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh God, this looks like it could go. Because it wasn't even like Ajax was sitting back. They were getting forwards. They had good chances. They were playing decently, but then you just saw the quality of certain players around the pitch that just shined a bit more in the sense that Arsenal just have better players overall. But yeah, Arsenal's still struggling quite a bit to get into a decent overall rhythm. Yes, they've won 4-0, two opening matches of the season. But when you look at these two Ajax games, they've been really, really, really bad. And it's a bit of concern. Jesse, what do you think? particularly going forward it's a it's a strange one I feel like I feel like all four games Arsenal played so far this season kind of have like strange caveats around them like the Brighton one you're like okay Brighton went down to 10 players really early on then the Ajax like the Arsenal home game I thought they were genuinely bad Tottenham I think basically handed Arsenal the win so I didn't really feel like they had to show anything and then this game it felt like the pressure on Arsenal maybe made them rush things but what I was kind of surprised by this was how much it still felt like they were struggling to among that front three get the ball into like good positions I don't know like kind of what you you made of it I did think Viv had a really good game and I thought she was in a lot better area of the pitch to affect the match 
just genuinely, generally, I don't know whether this is because Idavaz obviously chopped and changed that front three quite a lot over these opening four games, but it just feels like there's not necessarily the relationship between whoever's up top to bring other players into the game. For example, even when Wienreuter was kind of making inroads down the right-hand side, it didn't feel like she was necessarily aware of who she was supposed to be looking for. Did you, what do you think of Weinreuter? Weinreuter, I don't know how to put it properly. I believe it's Wienreuter. Wienreuter. Yeah. You pronounce, in German, you pronounce the, the second letter of the two vowels. Oh, story time. <laughs> At the final in Wembley. I was wearing a German kit and this German lad came up to me and asked me a question and I just stared blank into his eyes <laughs> and Jesse swooped in like the hero that they are and started speaking German very very casually I was very impressed surprise 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 Jesse can speak German I do not speak fluent German I will add but yeah I think she struggled early on I think definitely like but again I think this was maybe to do with her figuring out who she was playing like with going forward because felt like she kept getting caught out of position and definitely like Ajax were being able to get in kind of behind her and that's kind of where some of their really good opportunities came from in that first half. They overloaded that side of the wing quite a few times in overlapping runs and just like one, two quick ones and she was caught out of position a lot of the time. Yeah, but I think kind of, I think it made sense in this game when it felt like Arsenal needed to score to like make them. She's obviously like a lot better than Maritz going forward. And given that Maritz got absolutely cooked in the first leg anyway, I'm like, well, I don't know like how much more defensively she is adding. So it definitely feels like Wienreuth is now the preferred first choice option at right back, isn't she? It has to be that when you just look at the Euros, Maritz didn't really have obviously a great Euros despite, you know, who she plays, but Weinrater, I, I'm, I'm too tired to say it properly. She had a really good Euros, and you can tell her confidence levels are quite high, but then it's just about the details that where Jonas needs to kind of get her in line with how she needs to defend, especially those overlapping runs, because anyone's going to see that, and it's going to be quite easy. When you look at a team like Chelsea, for example, they can overload that side of the pitch very, very easily and get away with it. Um, and especially now that Rafael is out injured. Well, hopefully there hasn't been any update, has there? Yeah, I was going to ask if you'd had anything about that because when Rafael went off, I was like, oh God. That's the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, Lotto Vermoy obviously dropped, dropped from the England squad. I do think she's good. I don't think she's Rafaeli levels of good. I've always been soft for lots of women. Why? She's got really good like underlying numbers. I just think the perception of her, she's got a bit of the Millie Brights about her. Mm. She doesn't have, you know, you look at like someone like Leah and Leah can be fucking up and still look like super elegant and like super, you know, like she knows what she's doing. But if you actually watch what you're do- she's doing, you're like, oh no, you shouldn't be doing that. You're distracted by other things. <laughs> <laughs> no comment <laughs> whereas lots of women boy and Millie Bright's the same there's something about the way they kind of move their bodies I think because they're kind of bigger they look a bit like they don't know what they're doing a bit less athletic yeah exactly so I also and I just think lots of women boys struggled last season because she had to play with Jen Beattie a lot of the time Ouch. well I mean come on I mean it is obvious I just would be intrigued to see what steps forward maybe Lotta could take if she was playing long term with Leah but yeah I think losing Raffaele if it is bad could be bad. Especially because you lose that 
carrying of the ball forward because obviously Leah's the only one that does it. When Lotta does it, she usually loses it. Yeah, Lotta's definitely a passer of the ball rather yes. than a carrier. Yes, and she is a good passer, but she also has those confidence issues sometimes that you see where she's very she doubts herself a lot, and obviously that that shows when she messes up the pass or something. But it is true that she could potentially be decent if she is able to develop around Leah a lot more, especially now that Leah's. I think last season Leah kind of plateaued a little bit in the sense that she didn't grow as much as you probably thought she would. This season she just looks a lot better, so especially after winning the Euros. Especially her confidence levels are quite high, and if Lotta matches her energy, it could go well. But obviously, ideally, Rafa is um, okay and well for the Champions League group stage. Because if that doesn't happen, then well, there's a lot of games in October as well. I assume Arsenal have the same number as Chelsea. Chelsea have five games in October because there's two Champions League group stage games plus three WSL. Yeah, it's going to be about the same. And we all know that. I was going to say Chelsea hold their own better than Arsenal do in the Champions League, but we know what happened last season. So <laughs> I'll, I'll retract that statement. <laughs> but it is true. I mean, when you look at, there's no doubt about it that Chelsea have the better mentality. And when it comes to the big games, Chelsea can push it forward more than Arsenal can at the moment. So if Arsenal kind of are struggling with, you know, a fullback who's kind of getting lost in an overloaded wing, you're having a centre-back who has a bit of confidence issues, who might not be up to playing against, you know, maybe a Wolfsburg with their t- stupidly good attacking line. So it's a bit of a struggle without, I mean, I think Rafa is just a very, very big, big loss for Arsenal when it comes to Champions League spe- like specifically. But attacking line for Arsenal, another shift. Katie McCabe stayed on the wing with Steph Catley behind her. Blackstenius as the nine. Ford on the right wing and Beth Mead rested or tactical, Jesse? Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, the Beth Mead focus came because she got that awful bang on the head, but it looks like she's fine, so that's good. The reason I was like, is this resting her or is this tactical is because Jonas in his presser before the Spurs game was asked whether Beth Meads was the best player in the world. I mean, classic English journalist press conference question. I'm assuming you think that she's the best player in the world, right? Oh, of course, yeah. And that it's a really interesting conversation for us to have. But he said something which I did think was interesting, which was about how Beth, she needs to make sure she's continually taking action so she stays involved in the game, even if they're pressing actions or defensive actions and that they will lead to better attacking actions for her. And it felt like he was kind of implying that she... And I think this broadly adds up to how I would feel sometimes when I watch Beth Mead, is that she can have a tendency to disappear a bit from games. Like, when she's on form and she's playing really well, you're like, wow, Beth Mead. Like, she's obviously very talented, great at shooting, blah, blah, blah. But she's not someone who I think has a consistent impact on matches all the time in the way that certain other players you feel like they do. Like, I think Caitlin Ford's a really good example of that. When I watch her play, it feels like she's always doing something. Look at it from this perspective. Chelsea Arsenal, who would you not prefer on the wing, if that makes sense? Like, who would be a better choice for Arsenal to have on the wing when it comes to big matches? Between Ford and Mead? Or just between all of them? Uh, Between Ford and Mead. This is... It's hard because... Beth Mead like has that ability to create something out of nothing. But I think Ford's someone who's a lot better at like consistently putting pressure on and breaking down defenses yeah. as a result because of it's just ridiculous when it comes to high press and getting the ball back high. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. And obviously, Jonas made these comments after the first Ajax game where Ajax did just outmuscle and outwork Arsenal. So I felt like it was maybe an interesting choice that then Mead wasn't used for the start of this match, perhaps because he had concerns about her work, right? Yeah. And obviously, going on to to someone very, very close to Beth. Viv finally had a decent game out of 10. It was a good game. It's been a while since we've been able to say, wow, Viv Miedema had a good game. Jesse, you look confused. No, no, I agree. I was just thinking about it. I, I did think she had a good game. I thought it felt so inevitable that it would have to be Viv to knock out Ajax, like, of course. Obviously. I thought Ajax gave her way too much space and, like, obviously the error for her goal was, like... Quite big. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, if she if she shoots from there, she like nine times out of ten is probably gonna score. But I also that thought was a you really well taken goal. It was a very well taken goal. Big media Miedemar, elite goal scorer, who'd have thought it? Imagine. <laughs> but I also thought like she did she made like a lot of good she was making more runs further forward. Mm. I did feel she was a, bit, a lot closer to the high line, but I think that was also what I saw was that now We've seen it quite a lot that Katie McCabe kind of pushes inside to let Steph Catley run on the wing. So with Katie McCabe pushing inside, then that gives a bit more room for, for Viv to basically just push a bit higher and do whatever she wants. I would assume that's on purpose, but like it, it does benefit her a lot more because I don't think she's... I think the reason why she hasn't had a good game is because she's had to kind of sit in that midfield and be a lot deeper and, and not involved as much as she probably would like to be especially when you have Ford and Mead who are a very hands-on wingers who will take up space in the midfield when they cut inside and kind of high press and all that. So it is quite interesting. But I am a big fan of Katie McCabe on the way. I think it it works so well for so many re- Like this, she helps Viv, obviously. I think they connect really well together. And then Steph, Catley, and McCabe is just a whole other story. I think it benefits Arsenal so, so, so much. Especially when they've been quite flat a lot of the times going forward. It's been a struggle you know, last season we've talked about a lot how they're just unable to create a lot of chances considering all the players they have and, and they play well. They just can't really get chances that they need. But we'll see. Hopefully Arsenal get a decent... We'll talk about the group stages later and the group of death and all that stuff and the possibilities that can happen. But it is... I am curious to see if Arsenal are able to kind of take that next step and actually compete quite well against big teams in the Champions League. Because I'm still quite sceptical of Arsenal just not being ready at all against a big team. I'm, I'm like traumatised from that Wolfsburg match last season. It was just so, so bad. And I think you could see that a lot more with Arsenal. That's just me being a pessimistic Arsenal fan, but we'll see. And moving on to the next game, Bayern Munich versus Real Sociedad. Bayern won 4-1 on aggregate. It was 1-0 in the first leg and it was 3-1 yesterday. Attacking masterclass from Bayern. <laughs> we disagree. I think Bayern were good. Alex thinks Bayern were bad. Bayern were good enough. But I still think they didn't look their best. They're quite open. Still. Yeah. I think a better team would have exploited Bayern's backline a lot more. First of all, Sidney Lohmann, that assist for Lea Schiller was incredible. That touch, the turn, the pass, it would excellent i'm really considering buying a cindy Lohman kit especially after that play that white gold okay i'm gonna stop that white <laughs> but what what i struggled with with byron was that they were 
so incapable sometimes of keeping the ball in a good rhythm. They would play out the back. Like when, when Julia Gwynn looks bad on the wing, that's when you know it's not really going the best way possible. But the way that they were trying to play out the back, I think La Real were, they were pressing quite high and sometimes they would get the ball, but then that's another story of they didn't really know what to do when they got the ball, which made it a bit easier for Bayern. But I thought Bayern lost the ball quite a lot and they were very sloppy going out the back. And again, if you have a good team that's going to high press, like an Arsenal who has Caitlin Ford, who can just lay off the ball for Viv Miedema to take a shot on target like that, it could be a struggle. But at the same time, Bayern did look good on the attack. I mean, when you look at the players that they have, Linda Dahman is going to have a great season. Again, Cindy Lohmann is is looking really, really good. Lea Schuller, Clarabu, like these players are just, it's another stupid team with a really, really good player. You know, it's like a ridiculous attacking lineup when you like barely notice Clara Bull in the game. Yeah. Because, but not because like nothing's happening. Like the team is still scoring and creating chances. No, and then the midfield is very interesting because I feel like it's just three players that have completely different styles. Georgia Stanway, Sarah Zadrazil, and Cindy Lohman. What do you think of that trio in the midfield? Yeah, I feel like it, and this maybe plays into the stuff, it's not necessarily a trio that screams control, but it is a very fun trio. It is fun to watch. Yeah, I thought Sydney Lohman had a really good game as well. And I hope she gets minutes because it is this funny thing where, you know, there was like no Lena McGall and stuff like that. So. Lena McGall, please. Huh? Lena McGall. Lena McGall, sorry. Well, Lena McGall's because she didn't play. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, it's going to be an interesting one, I think, for, for Strauss to kind of figure out what his best midfield is and, and what work. It's going to be a case of what works for some games and. And, and not others right but yeah I, I think it's obviously a lot of very talented players and I think definitely in moments especially like the one two with Shulun Dalman for the first goal there's going to be moments where this Bayern attack absolutely destroys teams you heard it here first folks they looked really good in this first half I think what I like about Bayern is that they've kept a same core for quite a long time now so that those connections of easy ones, twos, when they see the space, it's just going to come very natural. Not to mention they do it for Germany as well, which yeah, is like exactly. obviously a win. Then we look at, like, at the Bundesliga and then we see Bayern and Wolfsburg. And then that's just, that match is going to be so, so good. It's going to be tasty. It's yeah. going to be very tasty. But I think, do you think Bayern can actually go far in the Champions League? Mm, I think it does depend on how quickly they can kind of sort their defense out but I do think they have the ability to hurt teams and I think we've talked about this before like it it does feel hard because I think the level of women's football across Europe feels quite even still so I feel it feels like so much stuff depends on who gets drawn against who I had that conversation yesterday it feels like every top team is at the same level right now in the sense that they're not playing to their potential and they have little problems that are going to be big if they don't resolve it in time for the Champions League, if that makes sense. Like every single team, Leon, Bayern, Barca, Madrid, Arsenal, Chelsea, they all have little details that can make the big difference in the Champions League. And you can't really say much about it because it's still the start of the season and there's still so much time to correct it. And they can get it right before that. But if they don't, then that's just going to be the big downfall of it. Like I said, I think Bayern's playing out the back was just awful yesterday. And then 
if they do that in Champions League, I think they're just going to be exploited. I was going to say, I want to ask you about Real Sociedad, because Natalia Arroyo did not start Amayo Sarriegi for either of these legs, although she did start in the Liga F game in between. Yeah. Is this, like, just a tactical thing? I don't, nobody knows. No, Nobody has no idea. About... You were supposed to tell me, Alex. That was the point. Well, Jesse, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I sent you to be a correspondent in Spain <laughs> to find out these exact things. Wait, let me call her up. And I'll <laughs> I think everyone's confused. No one, I as far as I've seen, she hasn't really answered the question. But it just it doesn't make any sense. Grand, you know, maybe there's a tactical reason for it. Maybe a super sub, you know, tire the other team out and then put a player like Amayu Sarayagi to, to come on. But obviously that didn't work in the first leg. So if you need a win in the second leg... Why let yourself be 3-1 down? Precisely. Like, it, it just... It didn't make sense. It made sense for the first leg to try something, but it clearly did not work. Was she so scarred by seeing Sani Francis score that goal in the first minute against Spain in the Euro? She was like, we've just got to play Sani Francis. Basically, probably. <laughs> but no, it doesn't... And it's it's a bit of a shame. It was quite interesting because everyone was... Most people in Spain were, like, behind La Real, but very, very heavily which i thought was quite interesting but yeah it's, it's a bit of a shame and then there's there's this whole other conversation i had this conversation yesterday about how there really should be like a europa league in the women's game because mm. it's just going to be so beneficial for these teams who grant you know la real has a really good team and they can go quite far but they're never going to overcome a Bayern munich it's just so unattainable and you look at imagine an ajax versus la real in a Europa League game, that's going to be such a good match to watch and it's just going to benefit them so much more to keep growing against European teams because now Ajax, Real, they're both going to be without European matches until hopefully next season once they qualify, if they qualify. So it's just like, you really want that second league just to let these teams grow because the only way they're growing is playing against bigger teams, losing and then having to wait a whole another year to do it all over again basically yeah I think it's really clear right that in especially in the top four leagues that and I, I just don't watch enough of Scandinavian football but I'm sure in Scandinavia too that there are talented teams which yeah as you say like are still don't have the resources necessarily to either get through these these two leg playoffs or even to like get in if there's only three positions right like it wouldn't be ridiculous to suggest that Atleti and Manchester United could both have some fun in a second European tournament, right? They're still good teams. But I guess also then what becomes hard is you've probably still got sides who might be in and around that level, but maybe don't have like the same budget to deal with like the travel or, or things like that. So I don't really know how you figure out that kind of issue. Obviously, I, I, I'm no marketing or business person, but I think it would probably be more... Like, a start of a league like that would be maybe not as much income, but enough income to cover travel expenses minimum. And then as you go forward, you know, you have you start getting a, a certain amount of income based on how well you do. But I just think, like... It sounds stupid to say because it it's obviously not as beneficial when there's no money coming in, but just to cover expenses I think those games will be so beneficial for all the teams involved but another team that could probably do well in this fantasy Europa League Kaken Hecken my favorite European team name to say Kaken it wasn't Kerr 
<laughs> no. Kerr, I can never get right. Hecken is great. It's like clearing your throat. <laughs> the visualization of the throat was great. <laughs> Hecken versus PSG. PSG win 4 1 on aggregates. It was 2 1 for PSG in the first leg, 2 0 in the second leg. Jesse's hot take. What was it? That Lika Martins will be the biggest transfer flop of the summer. Oh no. It's going bad. It's going really bad. I think it will be interesting to see Martins play against top teams. I am very curious about that. If I'm being quite honest, I haven't been able to watch PSG as much to understand her dynamic with the rest of the attacking line so far. But it's just inevitable that she's going to score, I think. All the goals she seems to have scored for PSG have been like, it's not been like amazing link-up play. It's been going from crosses in the box, which is cool. Like she's obviously very good. Like she's got an eye for goal, right? And and that is still like an important part, but I'm not like, oh, wow, Lika Martins has this amazing relationship with Ramona Backman <laughs> or, or whatever. Because... Did you ever think that sentence was going to come out of your mouth? <laughs> no, but I, as a big Ramona Backman fan, I'm loving her resurgence in this PSG. She is, she is thriving in that PSG side. Yeah. I, for one, am very curious to see Shakun in it and see how she does in the midfield and how she links up. Because she's obviously never had that Champions League big match experience as of yet. And I am very curious. Did she not play in the Champions League for us? I I genuinely don't know. I, I can't really remember. I think I tried looking it up and I couldn't be asked to go through the detail of it. It, it's too early for FB ref. They don't go far enough back to when Jackie Gronin played for Chelsea. So, but that was that was what 2015, give or take. Yeah, 2015. Bang on. Woo! What a damn. 2014-15 season. Yeah. So that's seven years ago. Yeah. No, I don't think we were doing much in the. Oh my god, she's really good at judo. Did you know that? Yeah, I actually didn't know that. She was like, she played for like the national team and stuff. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I'll get off Jackie Cronin's uh, Wikipedia page. Yeah, she. Oh, is it? I have it here now. She played. She like represented the Netherlands at like a really decent level. Fun fact about Jackie Cronin, if you didn't know that. Um. But anyway, I'm very curious to see how she does. In she also did play for Frankfurt, so I'm assuming she got some Champions League experiences there. Her Wikipedia page fails to tell us exactly. (laughs) But also. I feel like she's just a much more developed player than she was back then. And she just looks very comfortable with the way she's playing. So I'm curious to see how that kind of goes up in a level in the Champions League and especially how she's going to connect with like such, it's just such random players that she has to play with. Like not in a bad way. It's just like when you look at, yeah, when you put names together and you're like Shakirunen, Krasquiyoro, Ramona Bachman, Sandy Baltimore, Lika Martins. Like what is this team? If you had asked me at the end of last season, what, PSG's front three would be, I would not have told you Diani, Martins and Backman. No, not at all. But this goes on, this moves on quite nicely to the Sandy Baltimore question. Drop from the France squad, not playing for PSG. I don't know what's happened. I don't know. I mean, okay, the France, the France squad is like separate because then that's just Corindriac just being Corindriac, I think. But then her drop from the PSG squad is just a bit more... It's a bit more obvious because she was a starting 11 player. It was a front three of, it was always Diani Gatoto of Baltimore. Right. That was set in stone. And now 
grand you know you have new players but she is coming on late as well like she it's not a case of being like okay you signed Lika Martins you're probably paying her for fuck ton of money we're gonna play Lika for 60 and Sandy for the last 30 yeah this is like let's bring Sandy Baltimore on with like five minutes to go yeah it just it doesn't make any sense and then and then you get mad again about PSG being the club that they are because then now another player is going to waste basically Diani and Baltimore are they're obviously not identical players, but the level that they're at is very, very similar. So if you drop Sandy and you're not dropping Diani, it just makes you question a lot of things about what actually is happening. Considering the club that PSG are, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something else going on. But again, it's a bit of a shame because I think, was it you last season that said Sandy Baltimore is going to have an amazing season? Not a hot take because she is really good, but you kind of emphasize on Sandy Baltimore having a really, really good season. I just feel like, and I mean, look, I always think with young players, they tend to have breakouts and then sometimes they like take some time to go to the next level. I feel like Lauren Hemp is maybe in a similar kind of position at the moment, but she plays, she still plays, I think, obviously, you know, at a consistently very high level, but I feel like she's getting ready still to take the next jump to being like absolute world beater. And Sandy Baltimore, I guess, was in a very similar position to Hemp where she was playing like consistently all the time for a really good team, doing really well. And then it just feels like the Euros came. Obviously, she didn't play much then. Fine, whatever. And now it's come back. There's a new coach at PSG and now she's not getting minutes there. And it's like she needs to carry on playing because she is still really young. Yeah, and she's been... She's like she's an academy graduate from PSG, so she's literally been at PSG for her entire professional career. Where would you want to see her play? What if she wasn't at PSG? The quite obvious answer at the moment is to go somewhere else and develop, keep developing your football somewhere where you can get minutes because it's a player like Sandy Baltimore. I mean, please. Where would you want to see her? I actually don't think she should go here because obviously she wouldn't get the game time she needed. But can I just say a Sandy Baltimore Lauren James link up at Chelsea would be so good. <laughs> like that is just two ballers. Do you know what I mean? That would be saucy. I mean Arsenal, right? They're the club who you're like could do with a really exciting pacey young winger. I think that would do well, but I don't know how she would fit into the Arsenal style of play. Well, I guess the point would be that she'd she'd offer something totally different, right? I'm sure she'll get back. I just, I just hope she's okay. Cause it just, I just worry that I'm like, is something going on behind the scenes? Like we don't know about it, or is it just a football thing? I, I see another hot take coming, Jesse. I see it. In the- <laughs> <laughs> Staring up a hot take in the hot take pot. Real Madrid versus Rosenborg. Real Madrid won five one on aggregate. Not shocking. I think that was quite obvious, but I think the Real Madrid did well as well. Three one win in the first leg. 2-1 win in the second leg. The game was already over inside. Coming into the second leg, you knew that there was no chance that Madrid were not going through. But, Jesse, hot take. Atenea del Castillo. Is she the best young player in the world right now? I think so. Do you think so? I, I clearly haven't thought about this as much as you have. <laughs> she just is bawling out. And I guess... Again, it's interesting when we're talking about like Sandy Baltimore or Lauren Hemp or these other kind of players who obviously all play quite similarly to. Again, I feel like Athena's on the up and there'll probably come a moment where she, may, I mean, maybe she won't, but I wonder if she'll like plateau again at some point. But right now, it just feels like in this Real Madrid team, her relationship with Caroline Weir, one, is so sexy. Yeah. And two, she's just, 
she's got it all. Like the goal she scored in this game. If you haven't gone, if you haven't seen it, go and watch it because, oh, it's a real like these people have families moment. Athena. No, it was really, 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 really good. You saw it at the Euros. I still have that photo saved of her putting Rachel Daly in the grass at first. <laughs> I still have that saved entirely. But it is, and it does hurt to say, but I still think Real Madrid have one of the best squads right now overall when you look at individual players. Obviously, um, Toletti came off injured, so that's a big blow. But then Teresa Villera is also, you know, a, quite a good replacement for that I think yeah then has confidence after the Euros I think is quite high and you can't really falter because she did have a really good Euros overall I mean the, her confidence levels in that England game in particular were just ridiculous she basically does whatever she wants to do she says I'm gonna do this and she basically does it without any problem but Caroline Weir I had hopes that Caroline Weir was gonna do really really well and rounded but I think she that it's like surpassed my expectations I agree she's fit in so well the little back heel flick turn she did in this game mm. I saw that yeah mm. no she is having that it's a dangerous combination because not only is she playing well but she's genuinely enjoying her football and when you have I think in any player when a player is really enjoying their football it just takes them to another level that they can't really reach if they're not enjoying it and to have Caroline Weir playing well, one, enjoying her football, two, connecting with the players that she has around her the way that she has been. It's a deadly, deadly, deadly combination to have Caroline Weir in your midfield right now. It's a very, very scary thought. But what have you thought of the way that Madrid have been using Caroline Weir in the midfield? Well, yeah, it's like weird, right? Because she's not really in the midfield. It's kind of like they're like, just be part of the front three, but go where you want oh, and do fun. what you want yeah it is like just go have fun just go go off and do do whatever and you just kind of see her popping up all over the pitch in like really random positions but I guess again it's a really interesting thing to see a player who we're, we're so used to seeing played in what was a very you know formulaic quite fixed Manchester City system and it's like, yeah, of course it makes sense that Caroline Weir has the footballing vision to find pockets of space and, and exploit them but it's just kind of amazing to see, I think, especially from a English or British perspective, because it's so different from how we've seen her play before. And now I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, well, duh. Like, why wouldn't you kind of use her as a right winger, an eight and a 10 all at the same time? <laughs> but it's really working right now. And yeah, I, I'm happy for her because she just looks like she's having so much fun. I am really happy for her, but it is a scary thought to go up against Real Madrid right now having Carolyn Weir as like the center of not the center of attention but she is quite central to the plays coming through the balls coming through and then her playing well just gives everyone else like that energy to keep up with her in a sense but before we go on to the pots Roma I think are very interesting very interesting addition to the Champions League they beat Sparta Prague they've had a different you know Champions League history which is always quite interesting because they're always around in one way or another. But obviously Roma, I don't know, Jesse, if you have any thoughts on that, but I am quite curious to see another Italian team in the Champions League. Yeah, I only watched the highlights of this game, but I thought Roma like were obviously by far the best. They were all over them. Yeah, And I guess Italy's kind of interesting at the moment, right? Because Juve have had this awful start to the season where they've drawn two of their opening four games and it kind of feels like that league has be suddenly become 
so much more open and it is obviously growing at a really rapid pace. Yeah, and that Roma team, I think, has got a lot of fun players. I think, yeah, it's definitely cool to see two Italian teams in the in the group stage and kind of cement Italy and that league as being one of the major leagues, whereas before maybe it's been kind of playing catch-up a bit. But, you know, all of those, England, Spain, France, Germany and Italy will all have two teams in the group stage. So I think that's just really exciting for Italian Italian football in in general don't really know what's going on with Montemuro ball but they Juve did manage to beat Kerr Kerr get through <laughs> so no Kerr in the group stage but yeah it definitely Roma feel not said in the podcast anymore <laughs> yeah true definitely Roma will be um I think a team because they're in pot four they're very obviously I think the team in that pot which you don't want to get yeah okay so going on to the pots I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it quickly. Obviously, Leon, Wolfsburg, Barca, Chelsea, part one. Part two, PSG, Bayern Munich, Slavia, Praha, and Arsenal. Part three, Rosengard, Juventus, Real Madrid, St. Poulton. Four, Zurich, Vianza. Vlatsnia. 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 They're Albanian, for anyone who doesn't know. I googled it. I can see the little flag here. <laughs> Benfica and Roma. Okay, two. there's going to be two separate questions. Dream group of death, what would it be? So I think my favourite group of, like, chaos would be Wolfsburg, Arsenal... Real Madrid, Roma. That would be fun. That could be very chaotic. Okay, so it was Wolfsburg, Arsenal, Real Madrid, Roma. And then we could have Lyon, Bayern Munich, Juventus, and Benfica. That would be quite fun. I think that could be fun, considering Lyon, how they did against Juventus. Juve are like their bogey team, aren't they? Okay, what... Hmm. For Chelsea, who would you like to see them play? Don't don't take it easy. Like, who would you genuinely like to see Chelsea come up against? Okay, there's a couple of different things here. Obviously, Chelsea are owed a nice group stage draw. And obviously, the dream one is Slavia Prague, St. Pulton, and Blatznia. Blatznia. <laughs> that sounds also like... Prague, apparently, like, I'm just thinking away days. Prague has a great gay scene. Would like to go that. A bit cold, though. So maybe I'd want Benfica for, like, a little trip to Portugal. That could be nice. I love this, how this is the your leading... Of uh... course. <laughs> then Polten, uh, just outside Vienna. Vienna is my favourite city in Europe, so that would be good, too. In terms of, like, a genuinely interesting one, uh, maybe Chelsea... Bayern like in terms of teams we haven't played Real Madrid like I wouldn't want this group obviously Chelsea Bayern Real Madrid like we've not played them before so that could be interesting I think that could be a really good match Roma as well like yeah but I do think this is the fact that Juve and Real Madrid I mean Juve were in pot three last season right that's why Chelsea got them but Real Madrid and Juve are in pot three yeah means that there's going to be two groups I think which you can say are going to be tough yeah I think inevitably there's going to be an uneven group as I mean as you saw in the Chelsea Wolfsburg Juventus group I think it's definitely possible but don't forget Savet. we only beat them one nil 
that in like the 80 what was it like the 85th yeah, minute that was an awful game that was an awful that, game. that was really and it was fucking cold that night i remember sitting in the cold for chelsea shit against Seto. that was grand who would you like to see arsenal go up against yeah, I think for Arsenal, I'd go Lyon because we've seen them play Barcelona and Wolfsburg recently. And then Juve for the Montemuro reunion. And then they wouldn't be able to get Roma in pot four because of Juve. So any of them, I guess. Benfica, maybe. Benfica are kind of fun. We played we played Benfica in the Champions League two years ago and it was like enjoyable. They're a fun team. Yeah, definitely. I'll give Arsenal the nice Portuguese away day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that you're inevitably gonna gonna come to. So Yeah, probably. I'd I'd definitely down for a trip to Portugal in whenever. <laughs> whenever. <laughs> whenever. Are Barça and Leon going to be unbeatable this Champions League season? Looking at the pots potentially already in the group stage. Mm. It's a hard one. It is hard. And I definitely think the group stage is the place for like these kind of teams to slip up yeah and they have the room to right that you you can lose them i mean look, look at the way arsenal went through the group stage last season it is very possible to have an absolute awful group stage match matches as arsenal did uh lose two games draw one and still go through and it's also possible to lose only one game and go out as Charles yeah. discovered <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> i think it's Considering the whole Liga Martin things, I think Barca and PSG are going to be drawn together. That would be so fun. It's going to be, it's, it's going to happen. Yes or yes, I have I have a feeling. And then Liga Martins is going to score a hat trick or something. Because why not? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we can we can wrap that up. The draw is on Monday. Jesse, do you know the time? I forgot the time off the top of my head. It is midday UK time, I believe. Midday UK time, and I do believe that will be streamed on the Zone YouTube, as well as the UEFA TV, as it usually is. But yeah, group stage draw on Monday, match day. First group stage match day is October nineteenth, if I remember correctly, and I am very excited for this to start already. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm very very excited. I think it'll be interesting because I think last season, you know, obviously teams were kind of getting their heads around the schedule and the format and the, you know, the changes. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see teams going back into it this year with, with the kind of knowledge of what it actually entails. Yeah. I think they're going to be a lot more comfortable going into the competition and now they're kind of able to potentially focus a bit more on actually coming against the teams that they're coming up against. But I think it should, I think it should be a good season. And obviously the final in the, the Netherlands, another away day, Jesse. I know. It's already. Huh? Train tickets are booked, yeah. Train tickets are booked. So that's gonna happen, definitely. Woo-hoo. But yeah, we'll we'll come back on Monday after the, the group stage draw. We're obviously gonna preview the Champions League groups because I think that's gonna have plenty to, to talk about. Any last notes, Jesse? No. No covered everything we've covered it all sorry we've not done a continental cup group stage preview i've just realized that the most important competition it's of the all. biggest competition please it's, it's the only competition that city have won it's very very <laughs> it's very important yeah um but apart from that we're all good all right well, yeah but that's that's it for us and yeah we'll be back soon and thank you for listening Bye.